It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Quickly to wall. Wall measures. Deal. Gets open for three. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast. We've got a very special guest tonight, Joe Kachovic, uh, coming from Cleveland to preview the Wizards and Cavs matchup on Thursday. Uh, Locked On Podcast comes at you five days a week, giving you Wizards insight and analysis and news. Uh, we're part of the Locked On Pod- sorry, Locked On Podcast Network. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. What we'll be talking about today is a couple pieces of Wizards news. Uh, Tim Frazier is back and practicing after his nasal surgery uh, last week. And then uh, we're going to do a preview of the Wizards Cavaliers matchup, and then we're going to throw back, do a throwback Thursday segment talking about some of the finest moments in uh, the different games between the Wizards and Cavs. There's been a lot of classics in recent years, um, even more about a decade ago, back when Gilbert Arenas was playing LeBron. LeBron's lasted forever, <laughs> so we'll be talking about that too. Uh, so our guest tonight is Joe Kachovic, and he went to high school with me. He... Uh, is a huge Cleveland sports fan, even though he grew up in Silver Spring and Potomac, Maryland. But he, uh, we've been playing basketball together ever since we were in middle school. It goes way back, and he's he's a real basketball nerd, so he's a knowledgeable knowledgeable guy. Joe, how's it going tonight? Thanks so much for joining the Locked On Wizards podcast. Uh, going great. Uh, it was uh, sixty degrees yesterday in Cleveland. Now it's uh, thirty degrees, so back to the snow. And I like how you mentioned uh, I did grow up in the D.C. area, but I'm a Cleveland sports fan. Every uh, Cavs game I went to when they were playing the Wizards at Verizon, I guess now Capital One, many fans would uh, <laughs> point that out and ask where I was from. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy these days. Like, the Wizards, even though they've been to playoffs, what, three out of the last four years, their fan base just has not really shown them any love. Like, any time a team like the Cavs or... Golden State or someone with a superstar like OKC is playing in the Capital One Arena. It's it just seems like a road game, and I think the Wizards are ranked very poorly. I've I've got to double check the numbers, but last time I checked the season, they were in like the bottom four or bottom three for the percent capacity in their stands. Do you have any idea what's wrong with this Wizards fan base? Uh, yeah. So, uh, gr- growing up, I did. I, grew, I was born and grew up in uh, Silver Spring, and then D- and then. Uh, Potomac. So growing up, I, well, I'm a Cleveland sportsman. My dad's from uh, Maslin, Ohio. I went to college here. I, I was here. But uh, 
I did. I grew up uh, DC. You know, I follow the Nationals. I grew up at season tickets to the Skins. Uh, I think it's kind of the city uh, in general, just the nature of the city. Everyone kind of says this, but uh, you know, there it's a rarity. You and I. I mean, I live in DC for a couple of years, but it's a rarity for people to like grow up and stay in the area forever. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of transplants that come in. No so I experienced that at Skins games. Even uh, you know, we'd be playing a weird team like the Dolphins, and it would be you know. 30 for 30 to 35 percent dolphin fans like what the heck's going on yeah but uh yeah yeah i think it's, it's the nature of dc a little bit unfortunately that's the case so the wizards returned back from uh their all-star break uh they they were supposed to have two participants but of course john wall has been injured he'll stay out probably until mid to late march with recovering from his minor knee surgery and so uh bradley beal was the lone all- all-star and the Wizards still have two roster spots open, but they did hear some good news that Tim Frazier is back with the team and practicing. Uh, he had a, a broken nose against the Bulls last Saturday, and or I guess two Saturdays ago, and he had a, a surgery for that. He's got a mask on, and he has no minute restriction or anything like that for uh, the backup point guard role against the Cavaliers tomorrow. Uh, the Cavs have a, I think, their only injury is Kevin Love, who's got the broken hand. And is he going to be out the entire year? Is that right, Joe? Uh, no, he should be back, uh, I don't know the exact, but before the playoffs. I think he should be back something like a month to half a month before the playoffs start. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I, I, where did I hear? It was like eight games or so before the playoffs. But hopefully uh, now they're looking a little better. You know, the first round can kind of be uh, time to get back in rhythm. And uh, so... I remember thinking about it. It was like a month before. <laughs> Hopefully we uh, have some games that could worry us. So it's basically like John Wall's timetable for returning to, like right near the, the tail end of the season? Yeah, yep. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't as familiar on uh, uh, on Wall's timetable just because I followed the Cavs uh, yeah. a little more. But. Makes sense. Um, and you, by the way, you live in Cleveland now, uh, and you've been there for how long working for the Federal Reserve? Uh, right, so I just moved back in uh, July, so mm-hmm. less, less or I guess now it's coming up on a year this summer, or like late June, July. Uh, yeah, but I went to uh, undergrad at, uh, in Cleveland, mm-hmm. so I lived here for four years from '09 to 2013, but I've been around in D.C., North Carolina, but yeah, now I'm back. And, you know, it, it's good to be back. Mm-hmm. And then your dad, who coached our rec basketball team back in the day, he hails from... Uh, so I'm, I'm going to mispronounce it, Mas- Maslon, Ohio, near Cannon? Uh, yeah, Ma- Maslon, Ohio. Maslin. It's uh, it's like what, like an hour, a little over an hour south of uh, Cleveland. It's close to uh, Cannon, yeah. Ohio, uh, where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. Uh, I went there mm-hmm. every time I visited my grandparents growing up. So, you know, <laughs> not much going on in Cannon besides the Hall of Fame, so I've been there. Right, uh, no doubt. Yeah. So the only other minor piece of Wizards news before we jump right into this preview, Wizards-Cavs tomorrow, is uh, John Wall announced uh, during these days off that he's planning to go back to school over the summer and fulfill a promise that he made to his late father, who passed away when he was uh, eight years old. He said he would graduate college, and of course, he jumped right to the NBA, number one pick for the Wizards in 2010, uh, after just one year at University of Kentucky. He'll be going back to Kentucky to pursue his business degree um, a lot of players are, are going back to school these days. They kind of understand that basketball is temporary, and 
you know, whether it's a promise to their parents or whatever it is, it, it seems like uh, it's a, a up and common common trend. Uh, Wall is very outspoken socially, and he he doesn't quite know what he's going to do with that business degree, but he definitely wants to go and graduate college. So uh, we are going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to start previewing um, the Wizards Cavaliers matchup, a huge game uh, for both teams who are kind of kind of in the midst of some new beginnings here. So stay here, stay locked in, Wizards X, sorry, for the Locked On Wizards podcast, and we're going to be right back. Hey, I want to tell you guys about the Draft app for fantasy sports. Uh, You can increase your chances of winning on Draft up to 80% compared to salary cap sites. That's why Draft is my favorite fantasy site, and it's not just me. We've got more than a million people who have already downloaded the Draft app. You can play in real live NBA right now, uh, be done in less than five minutes, and get paid out the very next day. Drafts are filling up every second, so you'll want to join whenever you can. New players get free entry and real money draft uh, to make your first deposit. All you have to do is insert the promo code LOWIZARDS. That's LOWIZARDS for Locked On Wizards. You can play in a real money draft for free just by using that promo code. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you'll love it that they're offering Locked On Wizards listeners a money-back guarantee of up to $100. So just search Draft in the App Store and go to Draft.com. Come play for free. Right now, I'm going to be part of this NBA Draft 2, and all you have to do is insert that promo code LOWIZARDS. All right, we are back with the Locked On Wizards podcast. Once again, I'm your host for the night, Noah Getzel from Wizards Extra. And I've got uh, my longtime friend Joe Kachovic on the line with me. Joe, is there a place that people can follow you on Twitter? This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get all your Cavaliers Uh, uh, insights. uh, My Twitter account is, right now, it's actually protected, but it's uh, J. my last name, Kachovic, J-K-A-C-H-O-V-E-C. Uh, my account's protected, but most of what I do is uh, <laughs> when I get angry at the Cavs or, you know, something like that, I'll angrily tweet about how much I hate Boston fans or D.C. <laughs> fans or <laughs> you know, something like that. But, yeah, yeah it, it's protected right now. But The requests are about to come pouring through, so be ready for that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah, I think it was when I was applying to jobs. So I was, you know, you never know who's going to look at what. So. Mm-hmm. So the Wizards and Cavs match up uh, Thursday night in Cleveland. Uh, they are sitting at the number three and four spots in the Eastern Conference with a bit of breathing room between uh, Toronto and then where the Wizards and Cavs stand. Uh, the Cavs are six and a half games back 
of the Raptors and four and a half back of the Celtics. And then the Wizards are eight games back of the Raptors, uh, but just one and a half behind the Cavaliers. Both teams are playing pretty hot right now. They've won seven of their last ten games. The Cavaliers obviously blew up their entire team over trade deadline. Uh, we'll see how that pans out for them the rest of the session of the rest of the season. And then the Wizards are playing incredibly strong ball. They've had at least 25 assists in a bunch of games in a row. I think more than any other NBA team uh, over the past nine games since John Wall's absence due to that knee injury. And the Wizards have won seven of those nine games. Uh, some of them against lesser opponents like the the Bulls and the Knicks and the Hawks and the Magic. But they've had some quality wins over the Raptors and uh, Oklahoma City and a couple other teams like that. So... What do you think are the keys to this matchup, Joe? Uh, you know, I'm so interested to see all the Cavs pieces coming together. I mean, there were just two kind of quick games. It feels like those trades are made, or the trade deadline was uh, so long ago because of the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so interested to see kind of how the Cavs' uh, uh, rotation shakes out. It seems like the starters are kind of set, and maybe Jordan Clarkson is going to be the uh, uh main score in the second unit when, uh, you know, guys coming off the bench kind of give that uh, what, you know, Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie did in the past. Obviously not to the extent Kyrie did. But, uh, but yeah, I think the Cavs still have over, I mean, about 10 guys who could be solid rotation guys. So I think it's still going to be interesting to see what, uh, you know, what Tyler, Tyler gets a lot of, I give Tyler a lot of flack too, but, uh, you know, how, how all these pieces uh, fit together. And, you know, the Wizards also, the Wizards haven't been playing bad ball. It, when Wall went out, uh, that's, I don't follow the Wizards a ton, but uh, I was noticing things like Gortat was saying, uh, uh, great team win, and maybe some people mm-hmm. taking shots at Wall. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think if the Cavs look at anything, what they look like against Boston, the Boston's not playing great ball. Um, but yeah, if they look at anything they what they struggling. look like against Boston, they should, you know, be favored going into the game. But I'm, I'm still really interested to see, I mean, as a Cavs fan, seeing how the new uh, new lineups are going to shake out and how, how the new guys keep performing. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Boston. I think it might have to do with um, Marcus Smart's self-induced injury after punching that picture frame. So he's been out yeah. a while. And I think when you have a guy who just plays as hard as Marcus Smart, like it's kind of, you know, it just motivates everyone else on the team. So they don't necessarily have someone else who's that crazy and matches that sort of intensity. So maybe that's why they're they're slowing down a little bit. But I'm a little confused about the Cavs starting lineup. So they went out and made all of these moves, and I don't know why Rodney Hood doesn't start over J.R. Smith, and I don't know why Larry Nance Jr. Right. I don't know if he's a small forward or power forward, but I don't see why he doesn't get the nod over Seti Osman. Do you, can you yeah. explain the rationale? Is it just uh, chemistry and cohesiveness right now? Uh, yeah, so J.R. Smith, uh, gosh, man, the, the, the saga of J.R., he didn't have that great of a year last year. Obviously, his... Uh, he was a huge piece, but defensively and offensively in the finals uh, two years ago, and coming back against Golden State. But uh, so last year, uh, his daughter was born extremely prematurely, so he had so he was out for a lot of time, mm-hmm. and then mentally, uh, it didn't seem like he was. He didn't have a great year last year. Uh, I mean, he's always a hot or cold player, but and then this year, uh, it recently was reported he he stunk for uh, a lot of the year. Him and Crowd, uh, him and Jay Crowder in the starting lineup, and they were. There were three and D guys who could not hit a shot to save their lives and couldn't guard anyone on defense. That's part of why the Cavs stunk for so many games in a row. But uh, but apparently, when Wade first came over, uh, when he signed with uh, with us in the off season, 
he was he was named a starter, uh, and it only lasted five games or so. And he said, "Hey, let me come off the bench, give J.R. Smith his starting job back." Mm-hmm. But apparently, mentally, that really uh, was taxing on him, and he never really recovered. I know he even went to Ty Lue at one point and uh, said, "Yo, put me on the bench. I, I stink." And Ty Lue said, "No, we're sticking with you." And then his name was in uh, trade discussions, uh, and you know people are worried they're going to get played. And he had a quote because he's the past. Uh, I don't want to give too many games, but at least the past five or six games, he's played like pretty good. I mean, he's hit mm-hmm. uh, close to I think close to fifty percent of his threes. Uh, just like playing like a completely different player. And it, the quote he said on how he's been playing better was, he said, uh, "F it, if I'm going to get traded, I'm just going to." Uh, play like JR. So he's actually playing uh playing better. But I agree he's also uh friends with LeBron, which is always a factor. Uh unofficially or officially and who gets to start for the Cavs. But uh, but he's actually been playing better. Hopefully uh he'll come around. Uh and be the three and D guy. But I agree. I mean you you would just on the surface think someone like Ronnie Hood would be able to uh take his spot in the starting lineup. But maybe if you know, mentally he got he got benched to start the year and just he was completely useless uh, the first half of the year. He just he could not do anything. So maybe, maybe it's kind of his psyche. He started for the team for uh, three years, over three years now. So they're just not trying to uh, mess up the chemistry. Mm-hmm. That all makes sense. And the past two matchups uh, between the Wizards and Cavs this season, the Cavs won both times. Uh, the first one... And J.R. Smith hasn't done anything either of those games. He was uh, one for three for three points back when they faced off. When was this? November 3rd. And then uh, the next game was December 17th. Kyrie also, or sorry, Kyrie wasn't playing. J.R. went three of nine for seven points. Uh, but, I mean, LeBron has been crazy. I mean, he's he's been amazing all year. Of course, he's an MVP candidate once again. But in the first game... Which was one thirty to one twenty two Cavaliers. Kyrie had fifty. So why do I keep saying Kyrie? I'm trying to put him back on the team. I don't know what's going on. But LeBron had fifty seven. Um, he hit twenty three of thirty four shots, which is sixty eight percent, which is just unbelievable. He also had eleven rebounds and seven assists, and then he got his triple double the next game, twenty points, eleven rebounds, and fifteen assists against the Wizards on December December seventeenth. He actually wasn't the leading scorer for the Cavs. It was Kevin Love that game. So truly dominant performances in both of those matchups against the Wizards. Of course, it's kind of just like a routine performance for LeBron at this stage. Is there anyone on the Wizards who could potentially slow down LeBron? Uh, I think that it'll probably be Markeith Morris and Otto Porter trying to contain him. Um, the last matchup between the Wizards and uh, and Cavs Porter wasn't playing. Uh, he had like a, a hip injury at the time, so it was Kelly Oubre, who's a much more slighter frame guy, who was checking him for a lot of the time. Do you do you think the Wizards have any, for like you know, legitimate options to to match his physicality, his size, his athleticism, his court vision, all of those different things he brings to the table? Yeah, I mean, it's always hard when you're talking about like even where I do mental gymnastics, like, all right, how can we slow down, you know, in thinking about the finals, how can we stop Durant? You really can't, you know, these guys are going to get, you know, if they have 25 and five, it's, you know, a down night for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I, I think LeBron, I like Mark, uh, Marquise Morris on him or Marcus, Marcus Morris in Boston. Uh, I feel like with LeBron, you, you just need someone who's physical and, you know, 
He's going to blow by. Whoever's guarding him, he's probably going to blow by, get a couple layups and or fouls. So I think, you know, if you just put someone big on him and try and get under his skin a little bit, push him around, try and bully him, uh, maybe maybe prevent him from getting to the basket a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that's what I think is probably the best way to go about defending him. You need, like, real, uh, like, someone who's just, like, a nasty defender who's going to, you know, stick his, stick his nose in there and, uh, you know, get physical. That, that, that's what I always think is kind of... Uh, uh, been the best way to guard him, just as a observer for <laughs> a long time. Yeah, that makes sense. And the Wizards don't necessarily have anyone who's who's just known as being like a defensive menace. I guess Kelly Oubre, but he's more of a guy who who will guard like point guard, shooting guards. Uh, I know the last matchup that I was at in the Capital One Arena against the Celtics, Oubre was trying to guard Marcus Morris, who's not like a, an imposing offensive player by any means, but he just kept getting bodied in the post where Morris would just like fade with that one of those uh, turnaround fadeaways, and it worked way too many times. So Oubre's definitely developing and improving, but his defense against some of the bigger, more physical uh, forwards in the league still has a long way to go. And we're going to get into it in the, the final segment a little bit more about the history of LeBron complaining and getting away with travels and different things like that <laughs> but yeah I mean it's it's obviously basically what what you can hope for as a Wizards fan is that Cleveland doesn't really have their act together with all of their new players and they might commit a lot of turnovers or I think Jordan Clarkson was hitting like threes all over the court in his first game with the Cavs after he got traded and you just yeah. can't expect him to to be going off and, and knocking down like you know being automatic from beyond the arc again so yeah you gotta it's it's kind of hope for an off shooting night you gotta play perfect and shoot a a high percentage you need to move the ball incredibly well against them to make them really work defensively and just don't let the Cavs get to their pace I think they're a team that really likes to get out and transition and run especially with the the new athletes that they've added so uh, it's basically you know if, if the Wizards turn this into a track meet they're probably not going to have too much success. Yeah, I mean, one of and it's so interesting because it's almost like uh, you know everyone's so excited for uh, first game of the season, first game of the year, want to see how the team shakes out and everything. It feels like that now. Yeah. You know, all these huge trades. There are two games where I mean, two uh, with the Thunder and the Celtics both have our uh, well, both the Celtics have a better season than Thunder, but you know, two two good playoff teams. They do well in both games, and then, you know, you have this uh, week break, and you're kind of like, oh, man, <laughs> just been, uh, itching to see how, uh, how everything's going to shake out. Yeah. So we're going to take one more quick break, and then we'll be right back uh, with our final segment with Joe Kachovic to talk about the history of the Wizards, Celtics, sorry, <laughs> my God, I am stuck on the Celtics. First was Kyrie, and now I can't even say the team. Wizards-Cavaliers <laughs> is the matchup Thursday night. We're going to talk about the history of that rivalry, especially in the mid-2000s when they faced, uh, when they squared off in three straight uh, finals, whoops, not finals, playoff appearances. So stay tuned with the Locked On Wizards podcast. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, guys, we are back for the end of our Locked On Wizards podcast tonight, and we are doing a throwback Thursday to a series of seasons and playoff matchups between the Wizards and Cavaliers between uh, 2006 and 2008, and that's when the Wizards had their big three of uh, Gilbert Arenas, Anton Jameson, and Karan Butler. Arenas was injured and didn't play all of the games in that final uh, playoff matchup in the series in 2008, but we're, we're just going to talk a little bit about how the Cavaliers were able to come away victorious each of those times in LeBron's first three ever appearances in the playoffs uh, and what went wrong for the Wizards. It was, it was definitely a, a close matchup, especially back in 2006, which was maybe the highlight of uh, the playoff series. Two of those games went to overtime, uh, the final two games, and all of them were decided by tiny, tiny margins. What do you think was your favorite moment, Joe, from any of these uh, three series between the Cavs and and Wizards back when we were in high school? Gosh, any of the three series. I have to say, well, it's a toss-up, as Wizards fans won't like this, but uh, the Game 5, LeBron's game-winning layup in overtime, well, there was, you know, one second left. You had to give a full length of the court. And then Damon Jones, uh, the series clincher, uh, you know, to, to end the series and uh, finally shut up all of my uh, Wizards, fans, Wizards fans' friends from continuously talking trash to me. I think that I, it, it, it obviously doesn't compare. But that night and uh, when the, when the uh, Cavs beat the Wizards the first time uh, they were in the playoffs, and then they, <laughs> it's probably a second to uh, – Winning the NBA, I mean, a very distant second to winning the NBA Finals. Just mm-hmm. because, you know, that's peak right when we were in high school, man. And all of my friends are from Wizards fans. Gosh, that that was a, a peak trash talk uh, series right there. It, there was not, it was every period of class, you know. Uh, my phone with message box was full whenever the Cavs lost. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that first year is obviously the Cavs' uh, uh, three three game winning shots. Mm-hmm. In a six-game series, is a pretty, uh, pretty good memory for me. Yeah, the best game of that series in 2006 was definitely Game uh, Five between. Um, it was a 121 to 120 Cavaliers victory, and then LeBron and and Gilbert Arenas combined for 89 points. LeBron had 45, <laughs> Gil had 44. Just a crazy night. And correct me if I'm wrong, is this the, the game that went into overtime after Gilbert Arenas' 30-footer 30, 30 with, like, two seconds left? Uh, no, that, that that was game six. That was a closeout, man. Oh, okay. If that three, the series would have been over. And Oh, man. man. Yeah, after that shot, I was like, okay, this is <laughs> this is not a That's that I had to ignore, you know, like. What, what do you mean? You thought the, the series was over after Gilbert's three? You thought the Wizards just had all the momentum going into that overtime session? Uh well, I thought that game. I thought it was going to go to a game seven because I, I uh, you know, I forget the game, but I think the Cavs, the Cavs were down in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. They came back and took the lead, and, and then what? It was like three seconds left. Gosh, man! And that three pointer he hit was like, that was like from. I, <laughs> it was just as soon as he caught it inbound, he just jacked it up. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't uh, really guard that. It was like a modern-day Steph Curry. Like, you know, you just need to be any side of half court, like, be ready for him to shoot it. Yeah, Gilbert, he was was a legend that series, but, you know, like, it's it's just tough because I can't really think of a favorite moment because none of the games really mean anything. So, like, of course, Gilbert catches and shoots from 30 feet to send it into overtime, but then in overtime, he missed back-to-back free throws, 
after the first one, LeBron went up to him. The Wizards were up by one at this point. He goes up, and he's like, hey, if you miss this next free throw, the game's over, by the way. And I don't know how much time was left in overtime, but right after that, LeBron like got trapped and kicked it to Larry Hughes, who found Damon Jones, who went in with 12 seconds remaining in the game. Probably didn't play like at all the entire season, and he knocked down uh, this like 20-footer to, to win the game. I don't know how much time was left. I think there was even time on the clock, maybe like five seconds or something, but the Wizards couldn't answer, and that was just heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it couldn't have been more than uh, 10 seconds left. And, you know, Arenas was, was uh, he had been like an 85, 90% free throw shooter. I mean, the guy's shot, can't hit him a shot. He was, uh, uh, he was, he was a great shooter. And, you know, if you, I think even in that broadcast, the guy, uh, Hubie Brown was calling him, he might have said, you know, that's the one guy you don't want to foul. And, <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that must have been, for a Wizards fan, that must have been crushing I've got to double check how many how many games or sorry how many minutes uh, Arenas played that game because I'm sure he was totally winded by overtime carrying his team with thirty whatever yeah. points and you know basically being the one reliable scorer for the Wizards. Yeah, had to been the uh, uh, had to been almost the whole game. And you know it's it's pretty funny. I, I can't imagine LeBron doing something like that now. Going <laughs> just going up and actually. Uh, well, he, he did, I guess in the finals two years ago he did talk a little trash to Steph Curry. Oh yeah. Uh, was that the yeah, finals yeah, that the, was, the Cavaliers uh, it, won, right? When Draymond yeah, Green was, was out. When we when we won Game Six to uh, send it into Game Seven, it was. Uh, it, I mean, the game was probably we were up probably ten with. I forget when Curry got tossed. There were probably like three or four minutes left, and Curry kind of pump faked and it didn't work, and he still went up for the layup, and LeBron just swatted him out of bounds and started talking trash. <laughs> and, I, and everyone was like, "Wow, like that." I mean, I was, but that was an awesome block. But it was—you you don't really see him talk a lot of trash, like on the court, like that. Uh, uh, which is shocking, and it's also that, that those free throws. I mean, Wizards fans didn't like LeBron before. <laughs> like Wizards fans were the original, you know, LeBron uh, LeBron haters, even before you know Cleveland fans when he was in Miami. Uh, and that's definitely talking trash to Arenas in between those free throws was uh, a solidifying moment for DC. Uh, forever hating LeBron. Yeah, especially all those travels, too. But get this. In, in this game six, guess how many total seconds of rest LeBron James and Gilbert Arenas had to, combined? Uh, at what year did they both play, the, both play the whole game? Yeah, they both played 53 minutes. Can you believe that? That's, that's, that's crazy. That's nuts. And, like, there's, yeah, this was the first series, but it was also the sixth game, and this was back in the era where they would do, like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't all, like, games, days rest, or, like, two days rest, or whatever it is. I think now everything, at least in the finals, like, you have two days off between each game, but this was back before that when they were playing. I don't think there were any back-to-backs, but, like, there was much less rest, so LeBron and Gil both playing, carrying their teams, like, I can understand you have no legs left, but it's still some crucial, devastating Miss free throws in Wizards history. Yeah, I think there's basically they used to just do one day for travel. Now, now they you know draw everything out kind of. But you know, I really do think they say the best team wins a uh, always wins a seven game series. That series, the Wizards definitely were the better. I mean, you can there's something to be said for allowing uh, three game winning shots. But I mean, you know, when it's, when uh, there are three game winners sit against you and you lose every game by one point, two of them in overtime. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's a, there's definitely a little bit of, a little bit of luck involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, maybe you say a little bit of uh, you know uncalled travels or <laughs> something like that. 
Yeah, the the Cavaliers had an awful team. Didn't they make it to? I think they lost to the Pistons in the next yeah, round or something. Yeah. But yeah, but it went. You know, it went seven games. We definitely had the best. Uh, I mean, LeBron you can't knock can't knock the guy. He's definitely an amazing player. But team wise, I, I the Wizards were just such a better uh, overall team. We had a better right uh, individual talent. But. One of my other favorite it wasn't necessarily like one moment, but Deshaun Stevenson just not backing down from the challenge against uh, LeBron, I think, in, in 2008 especially, because that was actually a close series. And in 2007, the, the Cavs just swept the Wizards, and no game was less than, yeah. like, seven points. But seeing Deshaun kind of, like, being one of those original type of 3 and D type of guys who just is there to be an enforcer and hit shots from the corner when it's kicked to him, it, it was it was impressive. And then, of course, Deshaun, like, got his revenge against LeBron in 2011 when LeBron yeah. totally disappeared in the finals and the Mavericks were ever able to beat him. Yeah. Well, yeah, for Warren, for, for uh, the biggest uh, knock on LeBron's resume, I think, is that Dallas series. I was rooting against them. So they, he had just left Cleveland. <laughs> the Super Team, I was rooting very hard against the Heat. But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, that finals. You know, feels like finals losses, like, like – Golden State had a 73 win team and signed Durant. They, I mean, the Cavs, I, I, no, I didn't think the Cavs could win. I wanted them to win last year. But, uh, but yeah, that, that final for Brian really just completely disappeared. And actually, I think Stevenson was partying at some club and he had a FLBJ with a middle finger on it. Like his shirt, <laughs> that was just the shirt he was wearing. That's, that's even uh, more really classic Deshaun than the Stevenson. new Death Row DC shirts, I would say. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other Deshaun Stevenson was from that series. Uh, I forget what game it was, but we the Cavs were up like twenty or something, and Reggie Miller was calling the game. And uh, but Stevenson hit a three right in LeBron's face. But I mean, you know, it's the third quarter. We were up by twenty or twenty five or something, and he does the he does the hand wave. You can't see me right in LeBron's face. I was like, oh come on, man. You know, the game's got to be a little closer. But but you're right. You, you never was uh, backing down, even down uh, twenty five. You, you hit three in his face. Isn't it just? abnormally freakish beyond belief like how many incredible playoff series uh lebron james has had for the past dozen years you know we're talking about stuff that happened in 2006 when lebron was 21 his first ever career playoff game he had a triple double he's still like as efficient if not more efficient as a 33 year old like he's still most likely going back to the finals this year it's it's just unbelievable like when uh paul pierce got his his jersey retired um, a week or so ago like it was just crazy because like the dude's been around forever like he started in this era with like Antoine Walker playing in so many playoff series and then it was just him and the Celtics were awful and then finally they got KG and Ray Allen and he had like all these new chapters where he won the championship and then went over to the Nets and competed in the in the playoffs and then he went to the Wizards and then he had like his retirement tour where he didn't play it at all again in the clip uh, like for the Clippers it's just like that dude's lasted forever and was a superstar for most of his career. Like, I don't foresee LeBron ever being, like, some guy who comes off the bench, right? Yeah. Yeah, another thing is he's never been uh, injured. Like, you know, out for significant... I mean, he's been hurt for... He's never been out for significant time with... Uh, you know, sometimes people say just... Well, his first year back in Cleveland, he took, uh, like, what, a week and a half off, went to Miami. Uh, but, but, you know, he's never had a serious... Uh, Injury where he's missed, you know, LeBron's going to be out two months or uh, or something like that. Yeah, and I think that kind of just has to do with the fact that 
he is a more physically dominant specimen than anyone else besides maybe like Dwight Howard in the league, you know? It's just how many people are that muscular, that strong, and that fast. And I think uh, something that Brian Windhorse was also saying on a on a podcast I listened to is his joints are just giant, so he's got huge elbows, huge <laughs> knees, huge ankles, so maybe it's like they're more durable and don't sustain as many injuries. I have no idea how he does it, but it's yeah. it's unbelievable. No. I just yeah. wish that they would call more travels on him. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't, I don't see him ever as a bench player. What was so frustrating about, uh, not to randomly bring up Kyrie Irving as a, you know, annoyed Cats fan, but, uh, you know, it's like, what is 33 now, saying in two years, LeBron could be a, uh, you know, tw- like he said, 25 and 5 guy who's just kind of, uh, you know, 25 and 5 coasting into, into your, uh, the sunset of your career. But they really, mm-hmm. he could, I, I feel like he could have turned the key, well, his quote, turned the keys over to Kyrie. And just, you know, be in the 27 and 7 or something. Just, you know, be more of a facilitator, keep off, you know, keep churning along, getting solid numbers. Uh, and, you know, have Kyrie be the main offensive guy. But, yeah, well, Kyrie hated uh, they, their personality. That was a huge personality clash. But, so, uh, but yeah, that was just, I don't see LeBron ever being like a bench guy. But I, I thought that really would have been a perfect situation for him to, uh, you know, lower the offensive load. Still, you know, uh, be a facilitator with assists, crash the boards, play decent defense, uh, mm-hmm. and have Kyrie take over the offense. But I guess that's kind of a pointless, uh, no. <laughs> pointless conversation. It's just I think he's, people in Cleveland. I think he's about to keep getting racking up those triple doubles until the day he retires. I, I first see him becoming kind of like a... a hmm, I'm thinking... It was, uh, like Hakeem Olajuwon, kind of just like on the block, hitting those fadeaways still like getting all these dimes and assists and then of course Hakeem could never really shoot from deep but LeBron has developed his three-point shot and he'll be someone who's going to step out and just be a presence even if he's not like the person you have to absolutely key in on because I'm sure he's going to join some star-studded team when he's 35 with, yeah. with guys who like might not even be playing any like today who are just entering the league but we'll see what happens the last question that I have to leave you with since you are a Cleveland insider and may have more knowledge than some of the, the people in D.C. Is there any inclination if uh, LeBron is going to stay or go, and does it all depend on how far his team uh, gets this year? Like if he did miss the finals or if he won a championship, would that impact his decision at all, whether he sticks around in Cleveland? Yeah, so it's crazy. It's been an uh, extremely up-and-down year. With the, the Cavs started at 5-7, and seven, then they won 18-19, and 19. And then, uh, then what they went, I don't know, like four and four and nine or something like that. But during that stretch, uh, you know, personally, I was like, okay, this dude's gone. Like, <laughs> just body language. Mm-hmm. He wasn't really trying on the court. Clearly, him and I, he hated Isaiah Thomas. Uh, he, he wasn't getting along with anyone. It was just, it was just a, a lack of effort. You know, if a guy's out there really not, and like I said, not giving effort for LeBron, you know, getting 20, you know, seven and six or something like that. But, yeah, but during that stretch, I was like, okay, this, this dude's gone. I mean, <laughs> there's a 0% chance. He, and it's also, uh, him and Dan Gilbert have never uh, gotten along since the letter. Right. <laughs> this Comic Sans. Uh, so that that's the, the rumors that uh, uh, Le- LeBron, well, the Cavs people are saying LeBron wants to stay, but he doesn't want to commit long-term because Gilbert is angling to sell the team. Oh. And if he gets a long-term commitment from LeBron, then... Uh, 
then uh, you know the, the sale will be worth more. And LeBron doesn't want Gilbert to uh, get a lot of money. And it's also rumored that LeBron wants to buy the Cavs, not not like near term, but you know there's so much going on there. But uh, I'd say I'd say it's less than a fifty percent chance, but it's probably uh, the most probable spot um, that he stays. Okay, um, less than fifty percent chance that he sticks around, and that. I I couldn't imagine that. Like I know LeBron is not going to sign any long term contracts. He's going to do one year, possibly two year, with the option to opt out, just because it makes him the most money. But I yeah, definitely yeah. couldn't imagine him buying the team. <laughs> yeah, it would oh, be like a yeah, Michael that, Jordan situation where he owns the team and plays for it. Yeah, yeah, that that wouldn't be till the uh, till the maybe not the far uh, uh, far future. But yeah, I'd say maybe you know Cavs. He stays thirty five percent chance, maybe twenty Houston. You know, just pulling numbers out of uh, thin air. But right. yeah, I, I'd say it's probably the expert most numbers. Spot. So much research and analysis put into these figures. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'd say it's the most likely spot, but not. Uh, it's you know, it's not probable that he'll. You know, it's below fifty percent that he'll stay, but it's probably the most uh, likely spot. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Joe. Get ready for this flood of. Uh, Twitter followers to, to start yeah. requesting you and wanting you to talk about uh, Cavaliers basketball at, all day and night and I appreciate it let me know when you get back into the city it would be great to see you in person yeah cool thing man it was fun alright stay tuned for tomorrow night's Locked On Wizards podcast uh, recapping the Wizards and Cavaliers matchup take it easy everybody Stand out. I'm more babes than a bad house. Top gun on my Tom Cruise. Life for keeps and I don't lose. You're more than loving because it's cool as a breeze. So pick a poison, yeah, I got what you need. Nonchalant, got the green on rotation all night. We gon' keep it psychedelic like a cap and a stem, catch a wave on us. Take a shot, make a friend, just enjoy the moment. I'm blue skywalking on his haters. Celebrate every day like a birthday. Then come to the Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.